And here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Universal Basic Podcast with Chris Proya. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Cindy? Good. I'm doing good. I am your co-host, Dr. Cindy Banier, here to have a little bit of discussion with my good friend, Chris, about what's going on in our economy and what's going on with regular folks like you and me. So, what do we have in store today, Chris? I was thinking today we could talk about health care in the United States and everybody's favorite topic, I know. <laughs> I sure like being alive. How about you? I do actually like being alive. It's a great time to be alive. Lots of fun technologies. Fascinating things going on. Yes. And, but what's uh, not fun is being alive and being super sick and not able to afford your health care. That's true. And even if you're not super sick, just not going and getting the small things done eventually adds up to being big things and you'll end up being super sick. But most people don't take care of themselves throughout the throughout their life and it just ends up being something big later on. It's no fun. Yeah, that's right. All right. So what aspects of healthcare are we going to be talking about today? I mean, I figured I'd start by just generalizing healthcare in America right now, and then we could get into some criticisms and some possible fixes and that kind of thing. So in America, we have a complex and multifaceted system that has both public and private components. The U.S. is one of the few countries, especially like the first world countries, quote unquote. Developed countries. Have, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't have a universal healthcare system, meaning that access to healthcare services and coverage is not guaranteed for all of our citizens. We're mainly a private system with healthcare services and coverage provided by private insurance companies. There's a couple of public healthcare programs such as Medicare and Medicaid, but that only provides healthcare coverage to certain groups, such as like the elderly, or the low-income individuals, maybe people with disabilities. And one of the main criticisms of U.S. healthcare is that basically, not only is it one of the most expensive healthcare systems in the world, which help with healthcare costs continuing to rise each year, we're, all, we're also one of the lowest output. Basically, people die earlier in the U.S. compared to other developed countries. And we just slid even further after COVID. So we dropped another two years of life expectancy. Pretty crazy. Yeah, definitely. The Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, that was enacted in 2010, was an effort to address some of these issues. Basically, it required most individuals to have health insurance or face a penalty. And it also prohibited insurance companies from denying coverage to individuals with what they call pre-existing conditions. But... In other developed countries, pre-existing conditions is just your past medical report. Here, any little thing is a pre-existing condition, and it's crazy. Hey, you know what's a really fun pre-existing condition that I had when I went to get health care in the United States? Pregnancy. Yeah. Pregnancy was yeah. a pre-existing condition. So I was, I was actually a student in Japan at the time. I came back, got pregnant, and could not buy health insurance in the United States because this was pre-Obamacare. 
Wow, no crazy. one would sell me a plan. Yep. Cause pregnancy is a pre-existing condition. And at that time they could deny you even the ability to buy any kind of health insurance coverage whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people in America were out, one of the largest com- countries in the world, as far as human size and obesity is clearly a pre-existing condition, but the, that that's one of the things I've noticed that takes a lot of people out of the game, out of the health, being able to get health insurance and whatnot too. That's something I've always struggled with throughout my life. Yeah, not as bad as, not as complicated as being pregnant, but yeah, it's certainly, plus I've been deaf. But this is everything too. And this is why there was such a big push during the healthcare reforms under the Affordable Care Act was that this really unfairly kept people from having access to healthcare or subjected them to extremely high costs. And that was all curbed and that was all eliminated. So for instance, my youngest daughter, who as an infant had autoimmune hemolytic anemia, which is a condition that literally can come back at any point in time. They don't really know that much about it because it's a rare condition. Because she had that, had she been born before the Affordable Care Act, she would not be eligible for health insurance whatsoever. Wow. And so it's a terrible situation. Yeah, thankfully for that Affordable Care Act, man, that's that's helped a lot of people get health insurance that didn't have it before. Yeah, Um, over 50 million people gain health insurance because of the Affordable Care Act. And I will say one point on this, and I know you have other stuff planned, but one of the things that was rolled back, because Republicans wanted to roll this back over and over again, right? They're like, they want to end Obamacare, blah, 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 blah. They never did because they never had a plan. But one of the things that they did successfully roll back was what's called the individual mandate. This was something mm -hmm. that was put into the Affordable Care Act by the Republican lobby, by the healthcare lobby, because it essentially allowed them to uh, pool their risk, right? So if everybody was forced to buy a plan, then they could afford, they said, the pre-existing condition people. Now, what's funny is about, it would have been like three or four years ago now, but the Republican Congress at the time had rolled back that individual mandate. So we don't have it anymore. So you don't get taxed if you don't have the health insurance anymore. What's really funny, health insurance seems to be doing just fine without that individual mandate. Yeah, a lot of people have basically kept their plans anyway because it was so good. People kept their marketplace plan. I had a marketplace plan for since the beginning of Obamacare because I was an independent consultant. I never, I'm a millennial too, so I never had a job that offered health insurance because I've, my entire career has been the gig economy. And so, yeah, that was a lot of people like me had to, had no choice but to buy a plan through the marketplace. My, I could put in a personal story here too. My experience with American healthcare is almost concurrent with my experience with the American corporate system. Growing up, we were always told that, oh, get in with a good company. They'll take care of you. Make sure you work hard and blah, 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 blah. So I started work with a large soda company that rhymes with Schmepsy. (laughs) <laughs> and I started with them in 02. I remember having pretty decent healthcare because at the time I was, I was getting ready to get married. We were already pregnant with our first kid. So I wanted to make sure that I had decent health coverage. I believe I paid like 
maybe $50 a week out of my paycheck, which is pretty much negligible. And then all my ex-wife's maternity care was covered. Like we never had to pay a copay for the doctor. We never had to pay the hospital, anything for the birth. Everything was pretty much taken care of. So it was a super sweet deal at that time. But as the years went by and we had more and more kids, I started noticing not only did my health coverage go up pretty exponentially, but the coverage went down too. They always were adding copays and this and that and the other. And I think at the end of, at the end of our relationship, I believe I was paying close to $150, $200 for health coverage a week instead of just $50. Yeah. So I've noticed in my own personal experience, just a massive drop of coverage in healthcare. Now, all this was before Obamacare, but that's just what my experience with the American health system has been. Yeah. And we're actually one of the only countries in the world that ties healthcare to employment. And interestingly enough, the history in the United States with that came because there was a cap on the ability to pay people different prices for different jobs back after it was, this was like post the crash in 29. And so healthcare was a way that companies could essentially sweeten the pot and make it so it seemed like the job was better and get different workers. And uh, pretty interestingly, but that it became coupled at that point in time that we couple employment with health insurance and which was great actually when the unions too were negotiating it. So unions in this country are not actually on board with the, all the public option and stuff because it's something that they like to bring to their workers, but it became a part of the labor movement from there forward. But we're really the only country that does that. Yeah. Let's see. Now I did have some numbers here just for the people that like numbers, like myself. According to the WHO's ranking of healthcare systems in 2000, France had the best overall healthcare system amongst developed countries. Others that performed well included Italy, Spain, and Japan. Let's see, Commonwealth- I can attest to Japan having an amazing healthcare system. (laughs) They actually paid for my birth of my daughter in Cape Coral. How funny is that? When the American healthcare system wouldn't cover me at all. Japan covered it. That's funny. Because I was a student on national healthcare in Japan at the time. Yep. Nice. So Commonwealth Fund's most recent ranking of healthcare systems in 2020 ranked uh, top ranked country was United Kingdom. Of course, they're going to say they were the best. (laughs) Followed by Australia, Canada, Netherlands, and New Zealand. United States ranked last in that ranking there. I'm surprised I don't have the where United States was on this who thing. I'm going to fire my research guy. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> Let's see. OECD. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but from yeah, 2019. It's the, the OECD are the most economically developed countries. That puts Japan on the highest life expectancy among those countries, again, followed by Switzerland, Spain, and Italy. 
And United States ranked 28th out of 37 on OECD countries in life expectancy. So right. there's definitely was plenty of evidence to show that United States could be a lot better in providing oh, yeah. care and lowering costs because all these countries have been able to do it. Right. And somehow we haven't figured it out. We just have a lot of profiteering companies in the middle and we're not prioritizing health or public health. And so we do have that since the pandemic, especially, and I know that we're ranking on the bottom, but I think we dropped even 10 positions lower in that ranking because we went down to 76.4 years life expectancy. And then of course it actually gets dropped even lower for different socioeconomic classes. Black people are often have a lower life expectancy and that's tied into socioeconomic status as well as issues with our healthcare system in terms of discrepancies in care and high maternal mortality rate has really affected the overall life expectancy numbers for black women. So we have a lot of issues. And then if you dive into those numbers even further, it's even worse. So there are places in this country where the maternal mortality rate is the same as it is in developing countries, Mississippi, for instance. And this is not a healthy healthcare system. This is not one that's serving American people well. It's not keeping us healthy. It's not keeping us safe. And it's certainly not efficient, effective, or cost efficient. Right. It's crazy the way that they would do that because when I followed Bernie Sanders on his campaign, having him show us that even Republican surveys say that a public option or Medicare for all would be cheaper than what we have now. And that would cover so many more people than what we're covering now and make it that much better. I just don't understand why our current politicians are not fighting for this. This is the constitution supposedly guarantees us life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. This is life. What's interesting, and we talk about this on one of the other podcasts here at Big Mouth Media, and that's a Democrat versus Republican walk into a bar, is sometimes within Republican ideology, that little fiscal conservative heart that they like to pretend to have butts up against their other ideals. So you can present this really fiscally sound plan to them, and there'll be something that will trump that for lack of a better word. And I think that's what happens in healthcare as well. So there's people who want, oh yeah, we want a system that's going to cost less money. But unfortunately we have a problem here with people and their political will to help other people, particularly people that they don't like. They do not take a humanistic view of this. In fact, they take the view that some people are worthwhile and some people are not. And if you are poor, if you're an immigrant, then you're not worthy of help. And that's a big problem that we have here. In my opinion, everybody's worthy of assistance and everybody should have access to healthcare. Many people right. like me view it as a human right. And the fact that the United States has a significant number of policymakers that are willing to put their personal view that some people are worthy and some people are not ahead of even the fiscal view is really problematic. Yeah. And I would like to even say that a lot of the, especially the illegal immigrants, they're not even qualified for any of this healthcare government help for that kind of thing because 
In order to get that, you have to actually have a, a legal American license, and they don't have that. So their argument about, oh, the immigrants are using up all our health care is just absolutely ridiculous. They're more likely to not use it, even in an emergency. And listen, I'll tell you a story of what happens here in Florida. So there, it's not uncommon. And there's an organization that I've worked with them in the past called Healthy Start. Their whole point is to help women have healthy babies. So they advocate for prenatal care and things like that. Immigrant women, even if they're, they have legal status, of any kind, but they're not a citizen and they're worried about the potential of future being able to become a citizen. They will not seek maternal health care a lot of times because they're worried about some of the laws that have passed recently that will make them ineligible for citizenship or green cards like that if they use services. To the extent that there's a whole team of people that works for this organization that try to tell these women that they can go and seek this care and it's not going to hurt them, but they have an epidemic of women pulling into the ER, having the baby in the parking lot, and then taking the baby into the ER because now that baby is an American citizen and then leaving, (laughs) like they'll leave the baby for care and then come back. But the women are so worried that they're going to get in trouble, that they're having, they're putting their life, their child's life in danger uh, because they're so worried about getting in trouble with immigration and ruining their ability to stay and live and work in this country. I've heard about those kind of stories too. And it's just a horror story, man. I can't, why we subject people to that is crazy. So, because we think some people are worthy and some people are not. And that is a horrible way to govern. Forgot to turn my light on. All right. So let's get to some happier talks. Like how about solutions? I mentioned two of them that are pretty much the same. There's always the availability to do a public option plan, which would basically, the government would create their own health insurance company that would compete with the private insurance companies. And this public plan would be available to all Americans, but the American people could still choose to keep their private insurance if they preferred. So why they would do that? No idea. But... (laughs) I think that the further uh, taking this to the next level is the best plan. Medicare for all basically just expands the current Medicare plan to cover everybody for whatever reason that you need health care. This would basically get rid of the private insurance companies altogether and all health care services would be covered by the government. Now, I know I'm going to hear oh, big government's bad for you and whatever. But if you look at the retirement fund, when they put that in place, so many senior citizens were better off being Mm -hmm. able to retire. And the government did that. Having everything under one roof basically gets rid of the need to try to find all your legal paperwork and your, your previous health records and Everything would be in one place. They would know how to take care of you pretty much as soon as you walk in any doctor's office or any healthcare provider. And I think with the right wording of the bills that this would be the best option because there's no, there would be no way for them to use your healthcare against you, but you could still get your healthcare coverages that you needed. 
Yeah. And let's clarify a few things on what Medicare for all looks like or could look like. So this does not necessarily mean wholly public facilities. It means the health insurance itself is provided by the government. And actually right now, Medicare, Medicaid is decentralized to the states. So they come as block grants to the states based on their po- their eligible population. There's federal requirements for that, but then the state actually implements it. There's still private health facilities. There are still public health facilities or kind of these quasi public private nonprofity ones like the one we have here Lee Health which is actually a pub it's a public nonprofit but it has state oversight so we actually elect people to the board so we already have a very government involved healthcare system and really all this does is extend access to care for more people as a as opposed to just putting a profiteering company in between people and their doctors yeah, and I know another like complaint or why this might be a bad thing. Like they say that a lot of people would lose their jobs if we got rid of the private insurance company. That's not really the case. The CEOs and the ones that cost the most amount of money, they might have to find some new work. But everybody that does the paper pushing parts of it, the pe- all that paper still needs to get pushed around. There might be a little bit of here and we there. We could streamline it though a lot. Yeah. But I mean, that all that paperwork still needs to get done and it's still got to be correct. Not a whole lot of the working class people would lose their jobs, I don't think. I think it's just mainly CEOs and those type of people that would be the most at risk for not having work for probably a few weeks until they go back to their crony capitalist funds. So let me cry a small <laughs> tear for the healthcare insurance CEOs. And I actually, one of the plans that I liked was based on the Japanese model. So the Japanese model doesn't actually eliminate wholly the private sector, but they make it more like Aflac. Okay. So they just shift it. So everybody's got this basic level of coverage, but then if you want to buy an extra bit that will cover the remaining part, you can do that. That actually some companies in Japan do offer that as a bonus, but it's like an added on because the Japanese system actually works on a sliding scale for fees as well as your monthly premium. So as a student, I was paying $25 a month and the low, everything that I did was low cost. The other main part of it that a lot of people don't talk about and the runaway costs in the American system that would be fixed by something like that is actually capping and setting the costs of procedures at the federal level, which Medicaid and Medicare do. But we actually have a very weird system where these different insurance companies under great secrecy, by the way, are setting up rates for different things with the provider themselves. So every single insurance company and Medicare, Medicaid is all making negotiations with the hospital and the provider for the cost of all of their services, but they don't know what each other's is. The Medicare, the Medicaid ones, those are public, but you don't know, for instance, what Blue Cross Blue Shield is going to pay versus Humana. And sometimes they're wildly different. And it's it ends up being this really gross system where they feel that they're being underpaid in one certain area. So they'll charge on another 
area to a different company or they feel like the government rate for the Medicaid and Medicare is like undercutting them. So they're going to charge the private companies this much. It seems like it would be a much better system. And this is, by the way, why we don't have transparency in healthcare costs, but it would be a much better system if there was this look, this is a public health need. We all need to be healthy and it's good for our economy. It's good for national security. So we're going to set baselines on this and that's where everybody's got to play ball. And it seems to work in every other country but ours. Yeah. And so that is one of the other solutions I had down here was price transparency. Yep. You just basically went through all that. Yeah. And it does seem to work in a lot of different countries besides ours. The Japanese system is that maybe like a health savings account type system. No, that's not it. All right. So that's one of the other ones that I found. It basically says this would create tax advantage accounts where individuals could save money for healthcare systems out of their paycheck with pre-tax dollars. So basically you don't get that on your tax bill and then you can spend that money on healthcare and that money would also be tax free. So that would, they would say that would lower it a little bit. But that just seems a little too fancy with the numbers and whatnot. I, th I think a more simpler solution like Medicare for all would be a lot better in my opinion. Literally anything would be better at this point. I don't love health savings accounts because it's just like this weird manipulation of the tax system. And it's actually was designed as this baby step towards further privatization and a way also to get companies off the hook for paying for health care. Right. So a lot of companies, yeah. as they phased out health insurance as a benefit, they said, oh, we'll give you this health savings account. But it's really just taking your own pay and putting it into account. And then they say, oh, you don't get taxed on that portion that you put in. Yeah. So I believe that a lot of them if you don't use that health savings account that year, you lose it. Lose it doesn't seem like a very good idea to me. But that's okay because um, they have a company that will send you an email with all these different things that you can buy from their shop at 20 to 30 to 50% markup to to finish out the, the end of the year stuff. So don't worry. I've had one of these before. It's a crock of shit. Each so. <laughs> <laughs> one, the last proposed solution that was out there is tort reform. Basically making changes to the legal system to reduce the cost of malpractice insurance and decrease the frequency of medical malpractice lawsuits. They say this would reduce healthcare costs by reducing the cost of defensive medicine. Clearly, this is not going to be a good idea because this is going to allow the bad doctors to keep being bad or even be worse because now they don't have to worry about medical malpractice. To, that's what this sounds like to me. So. Yeah, let's not take any more ability for regular people to fight back against the powerful. How about that? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, basically landing this plane, I think that Medicare for all, I think a lot of people could get behind that and fight for that. I had to set up some. <laughs> Again, I'm going to fire my research guy. I had this. We were supposed to re record this like a while ago, but we kept getting busy and not being yeah. able to. I screwed yeah. up. It's fine. <laughs> Got to fire your producer too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is a good point to, hey, subscribe to Universal Basic Podcast so we can get some decent staffing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> $2.99 a month, I believe it is. 
That's right. Or you can get everything on the Big Mouth Media for $19.99 a month. That's right. All right. Help independent media out. So basically, again, like I was saying, here we go. Better care for all, provide universal health care coverage to all Americans, eliminating the problem of the uninsured, the underinsured, and make sure everybody gets access to Medicare necessary medical services. There's Republican studies out there that show that Medicare for all would reduce health care costs by eliminating administrative costs and allowing the government to negotiate for lower prices. It would eliminate financial barriers to health care. Everybody gets the medical care they need and all the complexity of dealing with multiple insurance companies and plans. Basically, in my opinion, Medicare for all is the way to go. And I think that people can get behind it pretty easily and get themselves educated on this as I have. I'm just a simple trucker, but I believe a couple hours of practice, you can get this out to everybody in the world. You know what I mean? It'll take less time than trying to actually buy a plan in the convoluted ass system that we have. Yep, yep. Sorry, I was taking a drink there. You're good. Ready to close this one? Yeah, I think so. It sounds like a good place to stop. Good. All right. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us here on this episode of Universal Basic Podcast. I am your co-host, Dr. Cindy Banier, along with our main host, Chris Proya. Thanks for joining us here today, Chris. Thank you, too, Cindy. Amazing discussion we had on healthcare. And don't forget to check us out on BigMouthMediaFL.com. Get all those subscriptions. Help support independent media. You're going to get the recordings of this. And you will also be able to attend our events, many of them for free, just like the one we have coming up here in June. An amazing comedy cross partisan show. It's going to be amazing. And you'll check out and see more information about that on the Big Mouth Media website and our social media as well. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Have a good night.